0: Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast with not Mike and Laurent. It is Thursday, September 29th. In this episode, the Premier League is back. Thank God the longest international break ever has ended. We look at the North London Derby and the Manchester Derby and do a full league breakdown of all the fixtures. But first, my friends, we have to wrap up the international break. Oh my God, what an exhaustive period of time! that I never want to have to go through again. But, but, this is the last one until the World Cup, which is in 60 days, Black Friday. U.S. plays Wales. Now, we're going to focus on just our two friendly clubs that are the most in crisis. Crisis, and talk a little bit about a couple of other teams. Uh, first, the U.S. men's national team under Greg g- 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 Burhalter is terrible. The team is bad, and I don't think they're going to get better. They had two games. Uh, They lost 2-0 to Japan, got completely bossed, were terrible. And they they drew 0-0 to Saudi Arabia with Christian Pulisic. The first game did not have Christian Pulisic. Let me tell you about how bad this team is. They can't do anything. They don't have an identity. They don't have a style of play. They don't have anything. They continue to play Zimmerman from MLS in defense. He's bad. He can't play on the ball. I don't trust any MLS player. And I know that's terrible to say, but I simply don't. That's a fact. Um, I don't think that the U.S. has good enough players to do anything they want to do. and items are okay, but Yedlin is playing and Aaron Long and... Serginho Des, these are Dest and Yedlin are both fullbacks who don't play. Gio Reyna, I love him, can't stay on the field. Ricardo Pepe is was a sensation a year ago, but now isn't. There's nothing going on in this team that is good. Um, I suppose McKenny and Pulisic a little bit, Brandon Aronson a little bit, but there's nothing that says to me this team's getting out of the group. Uh, they took two shots in 180 minutes, two shots on goal in 180 minutes. I see nothing from the U.S. that says they are going to bring this team out of the group in the World Cup. Um, I'm going to talk about England in a minute. I'll talk about Wales in a minute. But the U.S. is not better than Wales. The U.S. is not better than England. And I don't know Iran Iran is going through some issues in and of itself. The good kind, you know, having political issues around hijabs and scarves and things like that. But... They did beat Uruguay. The United States does not have a win like that. The United States hasn't beat anybody good ever. I mean, essentially, we are designed to try and beat Mexico, and that's about it. Um, This team's not good. Uh, When the World Cup comes, do not be looking for something amazing to happen. This team plays with fear. This team plays sort of for an analogous... They kind of play like, sorry, I'm taking a, a lozenge because my throat always gets dry. They kind of play like Manchester United, in that they try and do things they can't do, and they try and move the ball around, and they can't do it. And so, it's kind of a sad display that um, I uh, I'm pretty sad about. If you if you're around and you want to jump in, I've pasted the link into the chat. Please feel free to jump in. Uh, it's on YouTube. It's on Facebook. It's on Twitch. You can jump in. Also, while I'm doing the show, please like, subscribe, share the show. It means a lot. It means everything to us. Uh, It means more people getting to the show. Hello to our friends from Australia. We had a big spike in friends from Australia and Malaysia. So hello if this is your first time with the show. Thank you. Um, Mike will be back. He's our resident Spurs correspondent. On the other side, we have England, which is... Leaps and bounds in class past the US. I mean, England has different problems, and their problems are more around things being stale and having players to go and attack and having a manager who is basically having sh- not even Sean Dyke should be better. They basically have a PR man who's really good at being the manager of England, but not in terms of the media and the press. And saying the right things, but Gareth Southgate is not good at managing a football team. He has at his disposal some of the greatest players in the world, or at least the most famous. I mean, if we subscribe to the fact that Premier League is the strongest league in the world, etc., then that would mean a team of English players is blah blah, blah whatever. But the, the fact of the matter is, they're not good enough. They fell behind two goals to um, Germany. And then storm back in a really good display where they fight hard and and get their goals. So um, I think that part was interesting from their perspective, uh, showing the fight back. But then in the end, they give up a late goal. The goals came from Shaw, Mount, and Kane after a change happens. So Mount and um, Sterling come off. Sorry, Foden and Sterling come off. Mount and... Bakara Sako, come on. And they both changed the game. Foden has not played well in England. I mean, I worry for him. Uh, John Stones got hurt in this game. There was a lot of Harry Maguire talk. He was culpable for both goals. He gave away a penalty, kicking someone, and then kind of was running upfield and lost the ball somewhere. So the Harry Maguire story doesn't change. And then the last goal was just a mistake by Nick Popey. He he sort of dropped the ball. Havertz, uh, Havertz was on both those goals and had a really, really good goal in this game. But, you know, this is top level. This is England versus Germany. And the first half of this game was awful. (laughs) Awful, awful, awful. The first 45 minutes were nothing. All six goals happened in the second game. So you have Gundogan on the penalty on 52. Then you have Havertz on 67. Then you have Shaw on 71. Mount on 75. Harry Kane on another penalty on 83. And then Havertz on the late goal uh, at 87. But, um, you know, a fun game. But it showed, I think, had England not had the fight back in this game, you would have heard real boo birds out, but Southgate is still terrible, but England does turn it around and his problems are more. He's too loyal. He doesn't change things. He's behind the times tactically a little different from Burholter, where Burholter for the U S team is chopping and changing too much. and doesn't know who his players are and is trying to make them do something they can't do. Um, Southgate is asking his team to do less than it can do in that England can do more than what is shown for certain. Uh, But he plays this very defensive, fearful style that's a little bit painful to watch for them. Um, Just one last roundup on the Nations League and and friendlies. Uh, The two best teams in the world are Brazil and Argentina. Argentina is on a 35-game winning streak. They look to be favorites. We should all be pulling for Messi because it will be, establish him as the greatest player of all time. Uh, Ronaldo broke his nose. There were some good goals here and there. But Brazil is really the class of the league. They're so deep. They're so attacking. Uh Richarlison's doing really well. Another another sad story. Richarlison had a banana thrown at him. You know, um, is it always racist to have a banana thrown at you? Probably. Probably. Um, But the Brazil team did show a sign of solidarity in that they covered the stars of their shirt on the lineup to sort of say there would be no Brazilian national team without its black players. And Brazil has a very strong racial component within the country. I mean, they were the la- one of the last countries to banish slavery in the world, I think, in 1890. So they have a bit more of a loaded situation with slavery within that country. But they understand the value of their African experience, and they do laud it much more than than other countries do. So uh, Brazil, looking good. Argentina, looking good. England, France, lost to Denmark. Europe's tower- powerhouses, not looking good. England, Germany, France, Um, France is a little bit of a mess having its usual biannual disasters where players get weird and Mbappe's fighting with this person. Uh, Paul Pogba's talking about witch doctors. Uh, Deschamps is a little bit long in the tooth. It's now his third cycle with the team. So this is a little bit of a lot for Deschamps. But we have plenty of time to talk about the World Cup, especially when it actually starts to happen. So it is the end of November. But now, the Premier League is back! Some teams have not played for a whole month. A whole month. So this was a big, big, big break. This will be the first week where we have a full set of fixtures. It's amazing. And I'm just going to run through them really quickly, and then we'll go on to the North London Derby. Okay, so the early game Saturday, Arsenal versus Tottenham. Wow, that's 4.30 a.m. for Mike to get up. Yowks. Then Southampton versus Everton. Palace versus Chelsea at Selhurst. Liverpool finally play Brighton under new manager uh, De Zerbe. Fulham play Newcastle. And Bournemouth play Brentford. Finally ending Saturday with West Ham v Wolves, where no one is going to score a goal. And then on Sunday, 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 we will have... Let me make sure I got this right uh Sunday where where are we? Oh my God this thing's a mess. Sunday we will have Manchester City versus Manchester United Leeds versus Aston Villa and then the Monday night game, which is gonna be wild is a is a relegation six pointer cage match winner go home Leicester City versus Nottingham Forest for Brendan Rodgers' job. So Arsenal at home, Southampton at home versus everton. Palace at home versus Chelsea. Liverpool at home versus Brighton. Fulham at home versus Newcastle. Bournemouth at the Vitality versus Brentford. West Ham at the London Stadium versus Wolves. Then City at the Etihad versus United. That's a big one. Leeds versus Aston Villa at Ellen Road. And Leicester at the King Power. Wow. So we will go to North London. And we have got a fixture for the ages. now. Mike would normally be our North London correspondent, but he's not here. But I don't think I am remiss to say that this is probably... Now, the North London derby is is Tottenham versus Arsenal. We know who they are. Arsenal at home are very, very good in this fixture and almost never lose both. This is first place. Arsenal sitting on 18 with a loss. Tottenham on 17 with five wins and two draws. This is the big one. I think that this is probably one of the bigger games we'll see in a very, very long time. These teams are evenly matched. Spurs with the more defensive solidity and Arsenal with the more expansive attacking uh, view of things. Um, Spurs have a bit more of a veteran team with Son and Kane and Hoiberg and Dyer and Loris. These are sort of your older heads. And yeah, they even shows in the average age, Spurs three years older than uh, Arsenal itself. But offensively, they're both very tight, both on 15 goals for the season As uh, in, in terms of who they'll put on the pitch, but a really tight team tightly contested game and in the case of the game being so tight I think you probably have to just give the edge to Arsenal because they're at home but I'm fascinated to see what happens in this game you know how does how does Spurs handle Martinelli on Royale's side if Romero's not there how do we handle Saka coming off a great run how do Gabriel and Saliba deal with Kane Richarlison and son for the first time are we gonna see Ben White and fullback again, or or Kier, uh, Kieran Tierney be there. Uh, in terms of injuries, there's one doubt, a big one. Hugo Lloris is a doubt. Spurs need their keeper, otherwise it's going to be uh, Fraser Foster, who is uh, you know something else uh, to look at. Um, Zinchenko may not make it. Tierney is nursing a concussion he's not going to make it. Smith Rowe, a, a miss that has been known, but Smith Rowe hasn't played all season. He just had surgery on his groin. And Partey pulled out of his Ghana game while Odegaard looks like he'll be coming back. Uh, on the Spurs side, Mora's got an injury to the calf. Uh, Davies is a doubt, but that's not a big deal. And then Hyunmin Son will definitely get back in the lineup. I think Spurs have this narrative of You know, what are they going to do with Son? What are they going to do with Kuleshevsky? And I think they'll figure it out, especially with the five-sub rule. But I'm fascinated by this game. A couple of stats here. Arsenal have won their last six home games. They've averaged two and a half goals per game over their last seven and are undefeated in 26 of their last 28 home matches versus Spurs. So Spurs come into this game probably hoping for a draw. um, But we'll see. looks like a little bit of a tricky fixture. Um, I think this is one of these where Arsenal have looked good on the eye and have been getting results. They lost their first tough game against United, while Spurs, on the other hand, have been more pragmatic, not looking as good, but good enough. Um, but they have the horses. So I'm fascinated to see what happens in this game. Uh, I would say I'll probably pick Arsenal to pull this one out. But, You know, anything could happen. This should be a great one. I would imagine everyone should get up and watch this one early in the morning on Saturday, especially as we've been missing football for so, so, so long. Um, we'll, We'll skip ahead to Sunday just to get straight into the Manchester City and Manchester United Derby. City sitting in second place on 17 with five wins and two draws and United with the four wins on the bounce. Uh, with some good wins between them. But after losing the first two games, um, they come in feeling good. Uh, They have a a handful of injuries, but nothing, uh, I think the big one would be, is Marcus Rashford going to make it? I don't know. City are still missing John Stones and Laporte while Calvin Phillips is having surgery on his shoulder. So he's not really going to play Calvin Phillips. But, you know, Laporte may return with Diaz and that would be, City's historically top lineups but Rashford and Martial have not trained um, so it looks like Cristiano will probably start up front Um, and Maguire did pick up a hamstring strain so hamstring strain should feel lucky to to miss the game on paper you know City are always favorites to beat everyone Uh, I think the Ten Hag project is still in early doors in terms of are they ready to match up with um, Manchester City? I think the difference between um, Manchester United against Arsenal and Manchester United against Liverpool, where they got good results, was those two teams don't have the strongest midfields. Where you can see Fernandez, McTominay, Oh Fernandez, Fred, and Eriksen really getting on the ball. City's not going to let that shit happen. You know, City will play Gundogan, Rodri, and De Bruyne in the middle. And that's a little bit of a different beast in the midfield to, you know, uh, the turnovers that, that United have been able to force and, and get things moving uh, on the stakes from other teams' midfields. That's how United score goals. They hit people on the break, and they've been doing a really good job. Like, this is not to discredit what United have done, just that what they have done that has worked will not work versus City. Uh, but... That being said, Martinez, Varane, Malaysia, and Delo has been a strong back four. We're going to hear a lot about Martinez's side, Lissandro Martinez. I don't know if you know. He's the new center back for Manchester United. It's been a while. Uh, He's only like 5'8", and he's going to be going against Erling Haaland, who's 6'4". Erling Haaland leads the league in goals. He's got 14 goals. He's a monster. He's a machine. This is really going to be a test for whether uh, Martinez can hang with um, with City. Um, City have all the stat advantages. Everything says that they should win, but this is a local derby. This is a weird game. There have been many moments where I have tooted the horns of Manchester City only to have uh, United pull it out. Um, so it should be a good one. City are favorites, no doubt about it, especially now that Holland's there. And, you know, they have some injuries. City still have the problems. They're a little shaky on the back. They don't give up many chances, but when they give up chances, they're really good chances. And that's what's so frustrating about uh, City. But, you know, United can put their heads high. I think for them it's about the performance. I think United know ultimately they're not in a title challenge yet. Um, They know they're in a decent run. But I don't think that they're ready to say, oh, we should be beating Manchester City. Uh, For them, a draw would be fantastic. But for City, this is a big one. uh, And they've got to pull themselves together and get the ball rolling and make sure that, you know, they are growing into confidence. They want to play well. They want to have moments. They want to threaten City. They want to show show the world that they're in better shape than they have been um, from there. Now, we have covered the big boys. Uh, now let's go to the recent games. We have Crystal Palace versus Chelsea. Uh, this has been a month. Palace hasn't played for a long time. They are now have one of the easier schedules down the stretch. Crystal Palace had the toughest schedule, and now they will play a much easier schedule playing Brighton uh, down, the, down the stretch. Should find their way forward to get themselves back on track. But Palace are a good side. This will be my beloved Graham Potter's first game really in charge of Chelsea. He's had a month to get the team together. He did have that nil-nil versus Leipzig. But uh, we'll see what happens here. Um, Chelsea are in a good way right now. I think they shouldn't have too much adaptation to do um, to go from Tuchel to to Potter. They're kind of going to be more of the same. I think that the issue is there's less, there's less leeway for Potter. If Chelsea's attack sputters, I'm curious to see how he plays, what players play, who's coming in and out. Chelsea have a lot of players on international duty, how those players come in and what they do is, is fascinating. Um, which players get mentioned is he going to be more attacking so there's a lot of things to find out about within the context of this Palace versus uh Chelsea game. Palace will get more of the same. We'll see a lot of Zaha. Um no major injuries for either team aside from Ngolo Kanté who I think I saw training, but we'll see. We'll see if 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 Tuchel brings in Aubameyang, I don't know. Or Havertz, I think we know Sterling will probably play. Um, but we'll see. We still don't know what um, what players Potter is going to be partial to, who he wants to have playing. So it should be interesting. Um, I could see there being another draw. I think if we remember when um, Chelsea brought in Tuchel, they, they had a couple draws in a row while he tried to sort out what was happening. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Maybe there'll be a goaltending change. Mendy has not been good for a long time. Maybe uh, Potter will see something in 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 uh, Keppa. Uh, I think from from Palace's perspective, it's just about getting things back to normal with their crew and trying to score the goals. So I'm looking forward to that one. That's a good one. And then Liverpool play my beloved Brentford, uh, my beloved Brighton at home. Anfield, where they can probably feel good about getting healthy. Um, Liverpool with Thiago, who's now back, is a completely different outfit than when they don't have him. So if they have have Thiago and they have Fabinho, Liverpool are a completely different kettle of fish. Uh, If Thiago's playing, all of a sudden... If Thiago and Fabinho are playing, all of a sudden it doesn't matter who the third midfielder is. Uh, And then we've got to see... If Trent Alexander-Arnold can react to not playing for England, uh, he's been defensively terrible, as we know. Um, and, you know, it's just a weird thing. And then we're going to find out from um, De Zerby on how he reacts, what he does with Brighton. Will he still play Lewis Dunk? Does he want to do something different? Is he going to change it all up? We don't know. So the same kind of things applied to um, Chelsea? That apply to Brighton. Uh, it's odd to have mid-season managing changing. Um, Brighton, as we know, are in fourth place. And we'll go through the table at the end of going through this list. Brighton sit in fourth place on third on 13 points. Four wins, a draw and a loss. They're really fucking good. Uh, Danny Welbeck leading the line. You know, McAllister, Caicedo, Trossard, March. I mean, we're starting to know the names of these players. And it's going to be interesting how uh, we manage this. Uh, one big thing for... Liverpool is, they will be missing Andy Robertson and Curtis Jones. You know, the midfield for Liverpool is still thin, but as long as Fabinho and Thiago are there, who the third one is doesn't even matter, Uh, even if it's Henderson, who's pretty washed up. Brighton, no major injuries. They'll come in seeing what they're up to. Uh, Mwepu looks like he's out for a little bit. So, couple more games to touch on that are mildly interesting on my side. Um, Fulham versus Newcastle. Fulham have been really good. Mitrovic scored another hat trick uh, on international duty. We have to see where Newcastle are. If they really are going to kick on, they've got to start winning games against people like Fulham. Hopefully, say Maximum can come back in. Uh, Everton, Southampton. Everton looks like they're grooved. I have to apologize to the great and powerful uh, Mr... Frank Lampard, he seems to have South, uh, to, to have Everton playing well. These are big tests. So we know Everton are okay at home. Going away to Southampton, who are a very inconsistent team, they could win 5-0 or lose 5-0 um, because they're so young, and we see where Everton are. I would expect Everton to go in here and try and win this game, but Southampton won't be easy. So it'll be a test to see how... Iwobi and Onana are in the midfield because we know that Southampton will press them. I'm looking forward to this game as well, just to see how Everton do. And then what could probably be one of the worst games of the season, West Ham versus Wolverhampton Wanderers. Wolves just can't score. Uh, Diego Costa may come in. West Ham are still sputtering. There's a little Moyes out feeling. Now, granted, like I said a million times, this time of the year, You're two wins away, you're a win away from changing narrative. But their narrative right now for West Ham is, is Moyes the guy to get these offensive players into scratch? They bought a lot of players during the transfer window, and things aren't moving. Our friend, Mr. Bowen, who I love, is not doing much. But Ken Antonio doesn't have any goals. West Ham are not scoring at all. And so we'll see what gives between these two teams. Neither of them are scoring anything. Uh, Unfortunately for Wolves, Zaza Kalajnik, who they bought as their primary striker, got hurt immediately. And then Raul Jimenez also got hurt. So they really don't have anyone uh, to play. Um, and, you know, we'll see where West Ham are. They've got to start creating things. Right now, they're not creating much. They're not really even getting any shots on target. They're still running out an older team, uh, older than Wolves for sure. And We'll see where they get. I, I would expect that. West Ham will want this game as a win. Uh, Wolves have a great defense, but I think it's a a set piece. It's going to be scrappy, and we'll see if West Ham can't get a 1-0 win here. Um, Another one of the Saturday games is Bournemouth versus Brentford. Brentford sputtered. Yvonne Tony didn't play, but since the 9-0, Bournemouth are undefeated, and Gary O'Brien... Deserves a lot of credit. I believe that's his name. The coach <laughs> the coach at, at, at Bournemouth, and I'm just going to make sure I've got it right. <laughs> Gary O'Brien? Gary O'Ryan? Something like that. He's got a lot of credit in my bank to take that team on after Scott Parker. Sorry, head coach Gary O'Neill. Excuse me. I got the wrong Irish name. He got that team together. They've got a draw versus Newcastle. They've got a win versus um. They've got a win versus Nottingham Forest, a nil-nil versus Wolves. So they've done some good work getting themselves off the schneid. Uh, I've got them selected to go down, but if they're going to keep winning and drawing, uh, these are big games. So we'll see what happens with Brentford going down to the South Coast. Brentford, historically, not a great team on the road, but better better at home. We'll see if Tony takes the disappointment of being called up to England and not playing, which was fucked up because Gareth Southgate sucks. (laughs) and we'll see uh, where they are there. Uh, Amazing stuff for those two teams. For me, I'm just sitting here like supremely excited about the games being back. I mean, I'm just over the moon. (laughs) I could just talk about all these games over and over and over again. Uh, And then lastly, I think we sort of should touch on uh, Leeds versus Aston Villa. Both of these teams are, you know, okay. Uh, Villa, very dour. Got a good win in their last time out. And Leeds have now lost three in a row. And I think uh, Jesse Marsh probably would like to get a win going. there, winless in their last three. Um, and it might be time for them to grab a win. Their last win was against Brentford. Oh, no, they lost to Brentford uh, 5-2. So they're going to want to – they haven't played in a month. They're ready to go. It's time for them to play, you know, to play Aston Villa and get themselves a win. It's. It, they've had two postponements. Uh, games that they might have maybe tried to get some points off of, but I think Jesse Marsh has his work caught out. From hopefully his players are, are are fit. Rodrigo had a little bit of a dislocated shoulder; he should be back. Brendan Aronson's back. You know, got their players in shape. A big one, uh, big things for that game as well. Although Villa are missing the majority of their defense, which is worrisome, or or at least their defensive midfielders. There was an injury to Douglas Luiz and an injury here or there. So that's where they are <laughs> now let us go to the table just to make sure we know we know where we are okay here we go uh in first place arsenal on 7 on 18 points are in first followed by city and spurs on 17 so just a point behind rounded up by brighton who are currently sitting in fourth place with it going to to anfield on 13 Um, And they actually do have a positive goal difference, followed by in fifth, Manchester United on 12, Fulham on 11, Chelsea on 10, and Liverpool sitting in eighth on nine points, nine points on the strength of three draws. They come off a a nil-nil draw versus Everton. Then Brentford in ninth, Newcastle in 10th, Leeds in 11th. They all are on eight or nine points respectively. Uh, sorry, Bournemouth also on eight, but with a minus thirteen goal difference. Everton in thirteen. Everton in thirteenth with Southampton and Aston Villa rounding out that group, all on seven. Then Palace and Wolves on six, just above the relegation zone. And the relegation zone, sitting in eighteenth, is West Ham, along with Nottingham Forest, both on four, and Leicester sitting on point. That is the points table. If we go by goal difference against uh, City, have the best goal differential, followed by Arsenal, then Liverpool and Spurs. So your top four on quality are, Spur, are City, Arsenal, Liverpool, and Spurs, followed by Newcastle, who had a good game, and then Brighton. So Brighton's not a myth, and Brentford. So um, goal difference against really shows the real quality of the team. So for instance, uh, West Ham and and Manchester United are just are are one part place from each other. Uh, West Ham is not really a relegation team. They're just having some bad luck uh, with a minus 1.4 goal difference uh, in XG versus an actual goal difference of six. So you expect West Ham to pull out of that. Uh, Bournemouth are actually the worst, along with Aston Villa. The, The expected goal difference, bottom three, are Villa, Forest, and Bournemouth. So not that far off of what reality is. Okay. I have to go get my child. So that was the squeaky bum time podcast with Mike Salerno and Laurent Cortines. We are the football wing of the CHOP Sports Network. We record on Tuesdays and Fridays, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please rate and review and share and tell everyone about the show. We love you. Thank you, FanHub. Thank you, Malaysia. Thank you, Apple. Thank you, Australia. We love you. We're happy that you're here. And we will see you on Monday after the games.